This is Comet Picks by the Glick. Hey, and I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, host Jason Glick. How the hell are you? I'm doing just fine, John. And yourself? Uh, not bad. Not bad. What do you have in store for us this week? Okay, well, as I talked about last time, I've got something that I've had kicking around my, my room for a while, but just haven't gotten around to writing, writing it myself. It's called um, Garth Ennis Presents Battle Classics. Now, longtime readers and listeners know that I'm a huge fan of Mr. Ennis. He is one of the handful of um, writers who, uh, you know, whatever he writes, I'm going to buy, no exception. And the man also generally has a uh, pretty good um, hit-to-miss ratio compared to, like, a lot of other writers who, whose name, who I will just, you know, buy, um, buy because of their name, sight unseen. Now, well, Ennis has, like, lots of um, quirks like, and, um, like... Quirks and subjects he likes to talk about that that always filter in through through his work. Um, one of the most prominent um, is his love of is his love of war comics. Like, and just I was just putting care like talking about the talking about the brutality of war and the human toll it takes on it's like on people, as well as just the fact that nothing nothing be, um, bonds men men together better than just you know, being in in combat fighting for your fighting for your life against a superior foe when like you know death. When death seems almost assured, and then like finding a way to triumph over that, or in some, or in a lot of cases, not. But um, Ennis has um, written a lot of great war comics over the years. In fact, I've even talked about them on a previous podcast from a couple of years back. And um, but if you ever wonder, you know, where did he get his um, this love of war comics? Where did he like? How did he like? What what was the formative influence on him? Well, then you have to go back. Look back to um, like time when he was grow- growing up, and how he got. He read lots of um, lots of um British war comics like over the years. I mean, we were talking like in the late seven late seventies, early eighties. Um, like Britain had lot had like war comics were like a were a thriving in industry. I mean, just talking about like you know the like um like the greatest generation fighting fighting their way through, um World War Two and all all these like. And chronicling like you know Britain's struggle against 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 the Nazis, it's like and, and also it's like again both in Nazis in World War Two, the Germans in um, World War One, like all like all this all this great stuff, and um, it's like and this was act and and these these and these comics like were huge it's like in like in the country like at the time. In fact, um, so successful that um, two of the um, biggest names. Um, in British British comics, like like over the like well not like well like in in terms of their history and all, it's like we've got um, you got um, John Wagner, creator it's like creator of Judge Dredd, and um it's like I'm Pat and Pat Mills, who's also had like legendary runs on 2080, was slain. Um, they it's like they decided to like, you know like start putting together their own war war series. Um, that they called it's like and they called it um they called a battle. Well, it wasn't called um. You know, bat- it called um, it was called Battle on um, Picture Weekly, then called Battle Action after a merger, um, with another war comic, and then ultimately just called Battle. And I just got this just from and it's and this is forward to the book now, and now it's like now Ennis like you know, read like a lot of this stuff has been um, reprinted through through the good people at Tit- Titan Books over the years. Um, in fact, I've got like the first volume of um, Charlie's War, which Ennis is. Still- Himself, it's called the, uh, it's like the greatest um, of all war comics. They've also got other, like other good, good things, 
republished over the years, like Johnny Red. But um, this, but this this particular volume is basically um, Ennis um, picking picking this, the, um, his favorites from the from like from the from the anthology, and just and I'm talking about, and I just and also providing like introductions to like to these works and just talk about their particular influence influence on 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 his writing as well. Now, there are three. Now there are three main works here. The first is um, HMS Nightshade, which is about a uh, about a corvette in World War II whose whose job it was to guard the uh, supply, like like the supply carriers. Um, it's like in the um, it's like it's like in the North Atlantic during World War II and also running the um, treacherous Arctic run. It's like it's like in the uh, it's like in northern in northern Europe. It's like and then you've got the general dies at midnight, which. You know, it's pretty self-explanatory, but also what Ennis feels is one of the better examples of the uh, good German story, and also three, um, and to round out the collection, three three tales from from one of the uh, from one of the title's most um, celebrated um, like artists, um, Cam Kennedy, who is also also has a per- also has a special place in my heart as well, because even though he because he actually because he's the man who illustrated the very first graphic novel I ever ever bought, but. Let's start off with um, HMS Nightshade. Now, this is written by by the aforementioned John Wagner and illustrated by uh, Mike Western, who's one of the uh, what Ennis says he's one of the like great like one of the, one of the great artists from like from battle. Now, Nightshade, as I said, it's about a, it's about a corvette, um, like um, escort. His job was to escort car- um, supply carriers um, during World War II. Now, its story is told in flashback um, by one um, Jordy Dunn to his to his grandson, it's like in in the mod, it's like in the present day. Now, we, we first meet up with Jordy, his and his friends, um, Stan, Jock, um, it's like Aunt Smithy, and they're just like, you know like just green green guys who are just like ready to um, do their best for Queen and Country, and they find out that oh yeah, we are going to uh, it's like yeah we're gonna like like you know serve on this ship, and they're like oh this ship is like not really what we signed up not. Not really what was advertised, and um, they they go through the whole get acquainted phase as they find it's like they get used to um, um seasickness on on it's like on the ship, and then um tra- training with the guns, and then and then fighting fighting against against the Nazis as as everyone pulls as um as they pull out from as everyone starts pulling out from uh, from nor- northern France at Dunkirk. So and uh, it's and um. If you've read any of um, Ennis's war comics, you can really see this is that um, he he's really in, that a lot of what um, Wagner and Western did here. He, he's really internalized a lot of the it's like a lot of this, it's like a lot of like the, the rhythms of dialogue and like this the characters themselves because I mean you've got uh, like Jordy he's like the um, the well well the um, like the well measured um, every everyday guy who like he's. It's like yeah, he gets frightened, he gets scared, but he's also just kind of soldiers on through better than everyone else, while leaving the uh, like the real drama to be had by his by his buddies, such as um, which his buddies like like Jock who gets um, the job of manning the uh, like the radar and gets um, it's like it has a crisis early on when he swears that um they hear a, that um there's a U-boat nearby, but they don't they don't believe him, and uh, even though and even though they don't find proof of it. He's subsequently valid, validated a bit later on. Then you also got like other, like guys like the uh, like their captain, who um he's kind of like the uh, the solid, 
So it knows what to do in just about every every situation. It has 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 the right words and and solemnity to add to any like to the worst like to the worst situation. And you've also got like eccentrics like um like crush like like Crusher who who's always going on about his unusual muscle development. And it gets and he gets, he gets his nickname Crusher because he gets the job of like smashing um roaches um when it's like when they go to the uh, more uh, hospital climates of see of nor- northern Africa and also Tubby who um who basically who he's like the you know, the like the fat um the fat guy who's like isn't they really good at this stuff but um like well, Wagner takes it a step further in the sense that you know he's not the guy he doesn't like Tubby's not the guy and the guy who's going to redeem himself no Tubby is the guy who's going to um wind up being um charged with desertion for um because he just can't um handle the uh the stress of war. It's like it's. I mean, he. I mean, Ragnar overall does a good job of of showing like you know of portraying these characters as like normal guys. It's like in an extraordinary situation, and then just trying to find a way to soldier, soldier on through just you know fight like, like like what um see what see what the Nazis throw at them, and also like their own personal crises, um such as when um Jordy gets runs afoul of um of Parsons the uh, it's like. It's like the uh, the na- it's like the nasty bully of the, of the ship, and how he has to deal eventually deal with them. It's like it's it's like I mean, it's like you can you can see how Ennis like you know just like like took this like you know ordinary ordinary guy's approach and just like you know like and and, and has applied it to like just about every everything he's done since. But that's not to say that you know this you know as much as as readable as this is, and that's still impress the feet. You know, thirty years on, well. Almost thirty years. Thirty years, yeah, thirty years on from when it was originally published. Um, the thing is, though, it's like it's um, these like um, Nightshade reads um, interestingly, to put it charitably, in the sense that um, all of its chapters were published in like three to four page bursts um, in in battles. This is a weekly feature. I mean, you get just, like, just get this little, the short, the short little um, like burst of like burst of in- incident. And then um, you have to wait a week in order to happen, find out what happens next. Now I'm sure that worked well in its original publication. Here, though, it's like you just get they get that kind of weird, you know, stop-start um, type feel of it. I mean, it reaches a, cl- a crescendo every couple pages, and then oh, hey, it's another um, title page again. So you can find out as um, it was um, as a cliffhanger from from the last week is resolved instantaneously. So, so I mean, it's. So, like I said, it requires a bit of charity in order to, uh, like in order to, um, you know, get get past that stuff. And also, um, even though like most of the dialogue isn't too obtrusive, a lot of it is extremely expository in nature. I mean, even though it's like, um, like Wagner likes like injects it with like a welcome dose of black humor. It's like and um and, eccentric, and the eccentricity that Mark Judge Dread. Um, it's like there's still like it's. Like I said, it's still it still re- it still requires like a uh, like a certain willingness to look past you know like this is how things were done back in the era. In fact, like this whole style, this whole style is like kind of what gave rise to um, like Ennis's own um, like Adventures in the Rifle Brigade, where he basically uh, which is just a working parody of all the war comics that um, he's read. In fact, um, reading reading HMS Nightshade. As much as I did like it, I could also see um, where um, Adventures in the Rifle Brigade um, like comes from, just from the uh, just from like the general 
those are general like um, character tropes and situations that 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 it's like that are shown here. I mean, but overall though, it's like it's still it's still a fascinating read for the um, for its look at you know like for its look it's relatively it's relatively realistic look at the look at the war. I mean, like no punches are pulled, people do die. It's like and um, you know and like I said, it's sometimes like you know it's not enough to just be um, like like be uh, clever be clever or brave sometimes you're just going to be fucked um even, no matter how how well prepared you are it's like it's still it's, it's still a good story it's like and it's also the longest of the uh like of the ones here so overall I means like if you like i said it's like even though it's like it's main it's like, for me it's like it, i guess it's, it's main um appeal is just like seeing like it's seeing um where how, it's seeing its influence on Ennis's creations, Ennis's war comics that like in the modern era, it's still, um, it's like I think it still hold holds up pretty pretty well for the most part. It just requires a certain willingness to, uh, to like look past look past and or embrace its um, it's like its characteristic, its um quirk, it's like its quirks and style of the time. Anyway, the next one though is um the general dies at, is the general dies at dawn. Which was written by um, let's see, it's like um, Alan Alan Hebden and illustrated by um, by John Cooper. Did I get let's see? Did I get that wrong? Yeah, I know it was Writ- written by Alan Hebden, illustrated by by John Cooper. Um, it tells a story of a uh, of a German general who is convicted for treason, um, for let's see, for cow- cowardice, disobedience, and defeatism, and sentenced to die at dawn. And he relays his story to, um, to his jailer, or at least most of the story to his jailer, like over the course of of one long night. And he, we find out the story of how, let's see, of how. Oh, Otto von Margen, like the head of, it's like the, uh, it's like the general, it's like the general of, of a of a German Panzer squadron, and known as the Wolf of Kiev, and also one of the most decorated. Um, one of those decorated of the it's like of German commanders. It's like how did he wind up in this situation? Now, this now the story um, starts off with him with him on the wrong end of experience, just being a new, just being a like a, a new officer, and I'm finding out, see, and finding out just like you know how bad things can let's see how bad things can get when um it's like when. It's like when the uh, it's like when the when you don't have any experience to fall back on. He he winds up um, hooking with a uh, with a with another with another um, um, like German military man like um, Fildweber um, Corder, and um, he winds up and Corder winds up providing the assault of the earth. Like you know, hey, this is these are the like the man of the uh, it's like the man of the German army. Um, this, this is what we're like, and he winds up bouncing that off that with um, von Margen. Um, quite it's like quite well over the over the story still though i mean the, st- the story is still paced a lot much like um much like nightshade in the sense that it's like it's told in like um four page basically four page um ins- installments so we just get, so we get um kind of so we, so we get like story like one major story of um of von margen's um career from his like initial initial turning turning of the tide in the polish front to um being to a station to being stationed in Norway and um, wanted, and um, his his um, and his way his, his and the way he um, his, 
manages to um, salvage a uh, like a, like a German attack on it's like on the harbor on the harbor there, and this, and also how he runs afoul of the uh, the SS. It's like on his way on his way up now. And this provides like some really interesting commentary, um, like at the beginning of this, like in the front of the story, talking about the whole concept of the uh, good German story. At it's like as the uh, like as I guess things go on. Basically, how um, how in the wake of how in the uh, at the end of World War uh, in the wake of World War Two, it's like you know, like now we had like now there were there are all these conflicts to be fought, and now and how are they going? How how is everyone, how are they going to be able to fight them? By rearming the German people who um, who had fought against them, like you know, not not even a decade decade prior. So we had these um, stories about the good Germans um, coming in. It's like um, coming in. The, Coming into the magazine and just talking, showing you how, how the, uh, you know how the, how the German, it's like how how the how these German officers were like you know the good German stereotype is that hey you know like they were fighting for the fatherland but not for Hitler. It's like they were just like you know trying to like just just do, trying to do the right thing like against a, a regime that you know was just like was rotten to the core. And as Ennis points out, that you know, whenever the Holoc- whenever the evidence of the Holocaust is discovered, it, be- it comes as a great surprise to all involved. So Ennis, so on one hand, there's there's a certain amount of cynicism, like you know, you can you can tell that Ennis is really cynical about the genre for the most part. But he generally feels that um, the General Dies at Dawn is a uh, superior example of the format. I'm not quite inclined to agree. While I felt that um, Nightshade. Was a uh, like did manage to overcome its like the uh, it's like its its quirks um, quirks of the its quirks of the time and of the format. Um, the General Dies at Dawn does kind of have it's it's it has a formula that it, that it adheres to that just kind of like you know gets kind of does feel kind of repetitive after a certain certain point. I mean, just the fact that you know um, like you know how things are it it quickly gets into a rhythm of um, von Margen. You know, like um, um, finding some clever way to save the day, and then running afoul of the SS, and um, see, and just you know, like, and uh, and, and finding some way to us, uh, finding some way to save the day. <sighs> Jeez, what am I trying to say here? I mean, he's, I mean, Von Von Margen is certain, certainly a clever guy, but he's um, but like these these stories, these stories kind of get repetitive, repetitious after a while. I'm. And then I mean, there is, and there's also that ticking clock where um, you know that hey, it's like you know, how's he, like how, like how's he going to survive things, and um, what's going to happen, especially when the Americans start cre- creeping up on his jail cell throughout the towards the end of the story. I will admit the uh, the end, they do mention that I draw a certain amount, decent amount of suspense from the for the end, and it's cool seeing uh, von Margen um, employ his um, strategies over the course of the war. But it still feels, but the story still feels um, like kind of form, formulaic for the most, for the most part. It's like and and while well, it's not bad, it's certainly um, not as not as involving as as Nightshade. The uh, the story, it's in like the story itself just just doesn't have the same level level of craft that um, Wagner and Western um, brought see brought to their work. So, like, not not necessarily a bad thing, but it's kind of, but it castration is being that one thing where yeah, you know you where it's like where it's like like and this is going about something that he really liked that really struck a chord to him and the and it's whenever you talk about something that's like you feel is really passionate and other people are just not getting it, that's kind of the feeling I get here. 
of course, then again, you know, like, like you didn't write um, Preacher, Hitman, um, Punisher. It's like in the boys. So, you know, hey, it's like, oh, hey, I'm willing to, I'm willing to indulge Ennis here. And then we get to the uh, last um, part of the volume, which is, um, which are three shorts by, um, by Cam Kennedy, um, illustrated by him, not written by him. Now, Ennis talks about how Kennedy um, basically rose to fame in this in in this magazine by offering a a very like a real like a realistic and um, compelling style that um, stood above all others. It's like one that just like you know like really um, that, re- that really grabs you for the most part, and also um, the fact that you know Kennedy himself is also um, also one of the greats of British British comics, um, who was also as Ennis puts it. Illustrated enough Judge Dredd classics to qualify for the Judge's Hall of Heroes. Now, I don't have any um, experience with Kennedy's um, British work, um, so, so to say. However, Kennedy occupies a special place in my heart because he illustrated, as I said, he illustrated the first graphic novel I ever bought. Ken- that graphic novel being Star Wars, Dark Empire. So, I mean, like, even though I had no idea who this guy was... I mean, I'm never going to forget him simply for the fact that, you know, he illustrated, you know, Dark Empire. And wow, he, he did a fantastic job with his watercolors there. And um, he also showed, like, a, how it's much, how sometimes it works better for that you don't have to be, like, you know, have a photorealistic style in order to capture, like, you know, good, get a good likeness for, like, uh, for licensed, for, li- for, for, like, for licensed characters and their technology. It's like, it's great. I love it's like I love his work, and um, I'm always going to remember him just like for that, if nothing else. These three stories here are it's like are not are not bad. I mean, it's like his style here is of course certain. This is of course a lot lot rougher than than, I, than um than his work in in Star Wars because we're talking about it's kind of like you know like almost twelve twelve years later. But he but he does like offer like a uh, like a good good amount of grit. So let's say a, a decent amount of decent amount of a good amount of grit detail. It's like and it's like and it's like and cinematic style to these these stories. I mean the first one, um, see uh, Clash by Night. It's kind of like, and it's kind of called these um, pr- for the most part. Um, in the sense like Clash by Night is kind of like a fairly standard tale of you know pe- of um of people fighting of um soldiers fighting the Pacific Front. Um, matching wits with the Japanese, and um, a kind of like, and a, and of course, like the, a surprise twist at the end that um, that you know you'll probably be able to see coming, um, like well before the, the end of the story's four pages. Um, the next one, um, Hot Wheels, is basically about um, these guys. See these two, like these two soldiers who are basically in charge of running supplies to the uh, running supplies to the front in um, like in, like in, in the Europe. Like in the Europe European theater, and um, they and these two guys um have a have a nice have a nice rapport together, and um and a nice and a certain ability to like think on their feet when things things get tough. And it says that they that the story reads like a, a pilot for a uh, like for a longer series, and that he's kind of he was disappointed that they didn't um that that they didn't get um that the full on, full on series didn't materialize. I gotta admit, I'm kind I'm. Right after reading it, I was kind of disappointed too, because because even even though it's only four pages, it's a nice 
it's really a nice setup for a longer story. In fact, I, I'm kind of surprised that Ennis hasn't tried to do something with, with um, akin to, these, to the story told here in his war comics as well. The last um, story um, is what, what Ennis calls one of the greatest pieces of war fiction ever written, Private Loser. Now, this is a story about a, uh, it's like, well, essentially like a private who's also um, certainly a bit of a loser, but who's wounded in action in the Pacific Theater, and eventually like he's he's, he's had he's left behind by his crew because they because because um, he, he's slowing them down and he and his commander can't um, say yeah we can't can't risk have you um, like risking our lives as well. So our and um, this is just like a uh, another chapter in. Like in the guy's um like long life of um of disappointments and um it's like and put downs and so he just completely loses it as he's like digs his grave and um just traps for like for for the Japanese for his Japanese pursuers and in fact he gives he gives a great fight to them but at the same time you know like he's like it's he's on completely over his head over the edge um I can yeah I can. See, I can see what Ennis Ennis is getting getting at here. I don't think it's I don't think it's quite one of the greatest pieces of um like war fiction put to page, but you know, like I say, I can at least understand why Ennis feels this way. But but there you go. And in fact, um, Ennis also closes things out by in his afterward by saying that he he's basically kind of he feels kind of bad by the simply by the fact that you know he has to put he's wondering like, you know, hey, why do I I have to put my name saying I'm presenting these stories, even though I had nothing to do with them. Well, as he points out, you know, hey, that that there were like um, promotional considerations that he had he had to con- had to consider, and just, you know, he has, he fixed his name as kind of a you know, whatever gets the job done in order to get these stories back into print, um, that, that kind of business. And to be honest, yeah, it's like that's Garth. That was the right thing to do because, um, I mean, it's like I uh, to be honest, my my. Ex- my interest in war comics really only extends as as far as Ennis's does because he's written because he's shown me the potential of the of the genre and it's like and this one right here it's like it's like I said it's I find it fascinating as, as it shows that you know like it's like um, some of the uh, key influences on his it's like on his, on his comics as well so it's cool to read these and see okay this is how we get to stories like um, Archangel and Nightingale in his war story. Um, stories, for lack of a better term, but um, but to be honest, like after reading this, you know, like I said, not everything is is perfect, but I would also be um, up up to reading a another um, Garth Ennis presents Battle Classics Volume Two, like if we were to get to it at some point. So, but um, you know, hey, I'm sure that Ennis, but Ennis also said he appreciated the chance to get some of the some of his favorite stories back into print after thirty odd years at, out of it. So. So on one hand, so hey, if you're if you like if you like Ennis's war stories and you're wondering, you know, where did he um it's like why did he, why does he um keep writing them? Um Battle Classics is your answer right here. So John, it's like um any particular thoughts on these ramblings? Hmm. Um Mm, you know, war stories would probably be a good thing then. You know, eat your vegetables, kids. <laughs> no, there's some really good gems, it sounds like, uh, in these um, uh, these tales, actually. So uh, maybe uh, some of your audience would consider reading them. Hmm? Yeah, like I said, it's going to be... Like I said, if you're, 
like I said, if you're a fan of Ennis and you want to know where his where his um interest in war stories comes from, this is it. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you're if you're also curious about you know, hey, you know what what's the big deal? Like, why was Britain so big on like all these war stories in the uh, it's like like in the late seventies and early nineties? Well, this is also a good example of it too. Plus, hey, if you're if you if you like John Wagner and wondering hey, what else has this guy done besides Judge Dredd, mm-hmm. well. Like that's another reason. That's another reason right there. Well, I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, um, uh, you know, as Americans at least, uh, and maybe there's some other countries around the world that may not appreciate the history of like their country being attacked and you know during a time of war. There's a lot of people that you know. Uh, are from Britain that actually do have that, you know, it's like, hey, yes. grandpa fought in the war. We all, they all had to go to air raid, you know, so it's, it's, it's a bigger impression upon the British mind or any other country that has experienced war directly on their own soil. So this is a reason why that, uh, you know, there's a lot of these stories in, you know, in British, not just in, not just in British literature, but, you know, in the whole, you know. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good point. And that's, I can't say that's why, it's like why, like you know, like Britain was able to get like you know several magazines, um, focusing on war stories, like at at around at around this time too, and why like it's such a tradition. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, it's like the simple fact that Ennis was able to like you know write an entire like like two um, miniseries parodying, um, English, um, British war comics, kind of like you know speaks to their speaks to their influence for lack of a better term exactly you know um yeah a very influential thing you know the war was um you know not and by the way not just the british authors american ones as well right <laughs> indeed i mean it's like i mean mostly just about all the stories here um focus on the brit on the british perspective british perspective even though there are a couple a uh, um, couple of cam kennedys that actually do focus on the uh the american it's like the american perspective but it's like it's like i said you it's kind of funny, like how I think about um, the uh, the one uh, American character in um, Ennis's um, Adventures in the Rifle Brigade, and all he said was just how he was characterized being like, "Hey, you know, he he's the, like the guy who's going to show show the uh, like show the show the Brits how it's how it's done." And the only set on, his only only thing he said in the uh, like in this in the in in the story was. God damn it! <laughs> like I said, it's just it's just par- it's like it's just pure parody. I mean, there's also another like another guy who just said you're out of order. It's like throughout the entire series as well. So it's <laughs> well, you know, like I said, a lot of a lot of influential comics did come from World War II. I mean, hey, characters, Captain America, anyone? Hello, indeed. <laughs> indeed but at the same time, Ennis would probably um, want to knife you for mentioning that because <laughs> maybe because uh, yes, well, um, yeah, America, yeah, Captain America, like stems from America's um from our like you know um infatuation of superheroes, Ennis um. You know, I kind of wonder, like, you know, why we never saw like a Captain America story from from Ennis mm-hmm. um, in um, in Mar like, during his tenure at Marvel so far. But then eventually, I realized that um, you know, Ennis would probably fucking hate Captain America because and because all the all the characters that he um, encountered in um, these British war comics were just like ordinary regular guys. Mm-hmm. And so to bring in like say a virtual superhero, superhero. Mm-hmm. To, um, like. To show, hey, hey, he's gonna like you know help fight like you know fight the on um, battles and then you know, beat up beat up the Nazis, you know that's um, like and this would probably just be like you know fucking pissed at this thing. Hey, you're just cheapening these like the hero our 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 our, our um 
or soldiers' contributions. In fact, he basically did um, did did he basically did that in um, the boys when he had this character, um, soldier boy, um, tortured at the hands of butcher. Um, basically saying that, you know, hey, it's like, yeah, it's like there were like plenty of guys who like, you know, fought in the war. It's like, and you, it's like, you never saw combat. So it's like, so yeah, it's, I mean, like Ennis, it's like, yeah, yeah Ennis, like, he, he hates superheroes. And like the reason that all the uh, war stories he wrote with Mar, he wrote, he wrote, he even managed to get like lots of war stories at Marvel too, but they involve like forgotten characters like, um, like um uh, like the Phantom Eagle was a Phantom Eagle or a Flying Eagle like a World War World War One Flying Ace um 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 Nick Fury during his World War Two days um and also um Frank Castle the Punisher in Vietnam mm-hmm. so so yeah I mean Ennis was Ennis able to like you know write lots of war stories at Marvel but it was also just like finding ways to to not do them that didn't involve superheroes at all just um it's like just guys who were almost superheroic in their it's like in their ability to survive um like you know near certain death scenarios but also um he used them and he told he used them to tell stories and the basically um, reflected that you know America's you know like gra- like a um, lust for power and um like and and um the, and the soldiers own like you know like like thrill at you know being being in combat and you know never having to worry about you know running out of um like enemies to fight so like there, like Thy Fury was a guy, a guy who's having too much fun fighting, fighting the war to stop, and he pays the price for it in the end. Mm, interesting, interesting. Yeah, so yeah, for him, it's more of a a a, a down to earth, you know, uh, you know, struggle of the soldier. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, it's like it's kind of cool. It 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 helps. It's it's a testament to like you know the versatility of certain Marvel characters that you know Ennis was able to like you know twist them or utilize them in the stories that he wanted that he wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. But um, like in in the end, like you know he's like it also means that Ennis only has a um certain a like a certain um range within Marvel, which basically shows you why he's um he hasn't ri- he hasn't written like you know, any other characters um besides say well he hasn't written a whole lot of characters beyond um. Like um, Punisher and Fury, and um, well, any other, it's like any of the stuff he's other stuff he's done with them has basically been, um, you know, he here here's a superhero, laugh at him how at how stupid he is. Mm-hmm. In, fact, in fact, I've heard that um, Ennis is prepping another um, Punisher related work um, for the future, but that has that has yet to be announced. So maybe um, maybe once Comic Con rolls around, we hear about it. Or, you know, hey, if he doesn't, you know, I'm cool with Ennis just, you know, not being, um, just, you know, focusing on more creator-owned stuff. Like, um, like his War Stories Battlefield stuff at Dynamite or his, um, Red Team, um, miniseries, which, um, Amazon just tells me he's, um, is going to be arriving to, arriving to me on, uh, Tuesday, which will be the day, uh, day before you listen to this, because it's <laughs> Monday and, um. Uh, and it's supposed to arrive supposed to arrive at me tomorrow, but you'll be listening to this on Wednesday, so I'm getting confused now, so I'll stop talking. Yes, because we don't <laughs> like we don't like those time travel stories, you know. It's like <laughs> at least when it comes to delivering your package here and talking about it. The time paradox. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so uh, with that, uh, we'll talk to you later on comic picks by the click. And uh, is there any is there any uh, thing that you're going to talk about next time? Uh, I've got I've got something I got two things I maybe I may want to talk about assuming I don't get around to writing them up. However, um, I will I'm going to go to um, WonderCon in Anaheim on 
see on Saturday. So I'm going to be buying a fuck ton of stuff there. there so maybe maybe I'll pull up some. Maybe I'll pull up something. Maybe I won't. Maybe we'll you'll s- find a gem, huh? Indeed. All right, man. Uh, until we uh, talk to you again, uh, have a good evening. All right, later's everyone. Bye.